I don't sing, I don't dance, I don't do those anymore, anything I don't show, you won't try here anymore. Bradley, 32, and Michael, 35, enter Black Silver, a new butcher shop and eatery on the Upper West Side. Michael is fresh off a nine-mile run, and Bradley is battling a debilitating hangover. So what's the deal with this place? Uh, I just read about an eater. It's a new June Farmington place. Uh, she's the one that she's got that gastro pub in the West Village and the burger place in the East Side. This one is uh, it's a butchery. They have this chopped cheese sandwich that's supposed to be out of this world. They got some other stuff, too. Yeah, I know Farmington. This just opened up because I, I went to her burger joint the night that it opened, and I had the worst service of my life. Waitress was completely clueless. When I paid, she lost my credit card. She looked for it for a half hour. Turns out I was in her apron the whole time. But I got a free meal out of it. Well, was the food good? Because this is a counter service, so I think all we have to do is order, and that's it. So no worry about bad service. Yeah, it was good. So I guess this could be good. What should we get? Well, we got to do the chopped cheese sandwich. And then there's some stuff on the counter that looks good. There's a sausage roll over there, and then there's the uh, beef pasty that looks great. It's pasty. 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 Pasty? Standing in line behind Michael and Bradley are Lawrence, 61, and Jerome, 61. Lawrence was recently forced into early retirement after a decades-long career as a purchasing manager for Carmen and Simon Construction Company. He is the divorced father of two adult children. Jerome is married, the father of four children, the grandfather of one granddaughter, and a successful CPA at Joseph and Miriam LLC. Every Saturday morning, these two gentlemen meet to dine and discuss the mundane and ritualistic lives they have built for themselves. This is a June Farmington place. My nephew Brian wrote a piece about her West Village restaurant in the Village Voice, and now wherever we go there we get complimentary apps. Oh my God, is that June in the kitchen? Joan, hey! Jerome frantically points to Lawrence in a desperate attempt to get June Farmington's attention. Brian's uncle! Brian's uncle! Do you remember Brian? Wrote that article about you at Vanity Fair! Village Voice! Village Voice! What did you say? Huh? Oh, never mind. You look busy. Ha 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 ha! Okay, you're great. Chauncey, 39 never expected to be working behind the counter at a butcher shop at his age, but a recent round of layoffs at a major social media company has left him middle-aged and with limited options. So I have a chopped cheese sandwich, a pork roll, and a beef pasty. Ah, see? Just take this number, put it on the table, and we'll bring everything out when it's ready. Well, what about the stuff on the counter? Do we just take that now? No, everything comes out at once. You'll have it soon. Okay, great. Thanks. Chauncey is considering becoming a vegan. Bradley and Michael occupy the only vacant table in the small seating area. I'm so hungry! I just wish we could have taken the pork roll right there with the pasty and take it right off the counter. Pasty. Whatever. It's a word we're never going to use again after today. How much would you have paid to take all those items and just eat them cold right now instead of having to wait till they're all heated and everything? I don't know, man. Like, I'd have paid $4 more for each thing if I could eat it right now. All right, that's fair. Let me uh, flip it around a little bit. If I gave you a million dollars, could you go the rest of the week without eating? Okay, that's a humongous jump in stakes, but do I get water? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want you to die. I just want you to push yourself. Uh, So just, like, no solid food. Yeah, in a heartbeat. I'd do that for a million dollars. Okay, then. How about this? No food locked in a room. No conversations with anyone. 
And you have to listen to something terrible like the Backstreet Boys or Mambo Number no. 5 the whole time. But I still get water in this scenario, right? So it's me and water and Lubega for a week. Yeah, but it's not like an overabundance of water. It's like a thimble or a Dixie cup amount of water. No bathrooms either. I'm in. I want that million. Would you fuck the village voice dude over there for a million dollars? Who? Brian's uncle over there. The dude who was standing behind us in line. Ugh, absolutely not. A million dollars is not worth that lifetime of nightmares. I would do very little for a million dollars. It's not really that life-changing. It drives me fucking nuts when people say a million dollars isn't that much money. You've never seen a million dollars. And then at the rate you're going, you're never gonna see a million dollars. A million dollars is a lot. All you have to do is bang one horrible guy one time. It's not like it's a moral thing or something. I mean, like I'd do it for a billion. Well, sure, but a billion changes everything. So I'm gonna raise the stakes on you now. For a billion, you have to fuck him once a week for a year. Ugh, really? Uh, Alright. Yeah, I'd probably do that for a billion. And you can't just have sex with him from behind with your eyes closed so you pretend he's a woman. It has to be face-to-face, his legs pinned up in the air behind his head. You have to make eye contact the whole time, and you gotta kiss him a little. Jesus Christ, man. I gotta do that once a week? Uh, I mean, yeah, sure, okay. But the face-to-face stuff? I mean, Jesus, our balls would touch. (laughs) Don't be homophobic. How is that homophobic? I just said I'd do it. Reluctantly, bigot. Shut up. On the other hand, that's a lot more sex than I'm having now. Okay, how about... Would you kill somebody for a billion dollars? Would I get caught? No, there's no one's getting caught. It's just like you gotta live with it. Though. I mean, I, I could live with just about anything. So you'd kill anyone for a billion dollars? I probably wouldn't kill anyone in my family. I probably wouldn't kill most people in my family. Yulia, 23, grew up in Brooklyn and had never spent much time in Manhattan until procuring a new job at Black Silver as a food runner. She has considered herself a shy introvert for most of her life but hopes that her experience at Black Silver will force her to peek out of her shell. She approaches Bradley and Michael's table with two bowls of soup. We didn't order this. Are you sure? Mike, did you order soup when I wasn't paying attention? Nope. Yulia silently walks away from the table, mortified that she has brought soup to the wrong patrons. She realizes that the number on Bradley and Michael's table is a stylized 21, and not the number 27 she was looking for. Her lifelong hatred for calligraphy begins here. Okay, for a billion dollars, what about a baby? You would kill a baby? I mean, that brings up a different question, which is, is killing a baby even worse? A baby doesn't really have any kind of life built up. It's all potential and no product, right? So, what's the real tragedy there? I guess it would make the family sadder, but given that I'm getting away with everything, I could just kill the family. Uh, I don't know. Uh, this, is, this is becoming a slippery slope, but I, I would still do this for a billion dollars. Okay, so you're a complete monster. Uh, And see, that's the thing. That's what makes killing a baby so much worse. They're just, like, innocent and just full of potential, and they've got the whole life in front of them. I I didn't bring up potential as a negative. Potential is a thing we made up, like time or God. Uh, This is falling down a bad rabbit hole. So, okay, what about me? How about about that? Would you kill me? Yeah, no thoughts. For a million dollars, I'd kill you. We were talking about a billion. I'm sorry, I'm probably just feeling more kill-crazy because I'm starving. And I knew this would happen. The service Farmington's restaurants suck out loud. Like, look at this over here. Even Village Voice got his food. You haven't even fucked him yet, and you're already obsessed with this guy. <sighs> All right, well, do you want me to ask uh, if our food's ready? I can go talk to that guy over there. If you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, hold on. I'll, I'll, I'll be right Yulia returns to Bradley and Michael's table with a chopped cheese sandwich. Yeah, thanks. This one's ours, but we also had a sausage roll and a pasty. Pasty? They'll be out soon. Can you hand me your table number? Okay, sorry. How will you know where to bring the food without the number? I'll remember. 
I'd really feel better if you would just leave the number on the table until we got our entire order. Yulia begrudgingly smiles at Bradley and returns to the kitchen. Michael returns to the table. Hey, um, where's the rest of the food? She said it's coming. Did you talk to them? Yeah, I was going to, but I got distracted. Uh, I was actually texting with Ellen. Which one's Ellen? That's the girl who stood me up, the one I've been having the one-sided text conversation with. Oh, right. Did she respond? No. So why are you texting her? Eh, not sure. Uh, I just keep texting her about all these ideal dates. So far, we've been to a bunch of restaurants I want to try. And then, oh, we're going to do this uh, Saturday Night Live date. I told her that I've got this buddy that works there, and so he can get us backstage so we can do, like, the whole meet the celebrity thing. Then you're hoping she responds. Mm, not really. I mean, if she responds, it kind of ruins it for me. Ruins what for you? You didn't answer my first question either. You just listed a bunch of things you've texted her. What's the end game? I don't know. I'll figure it out. Right now, it's just kind of a good distraction. All right, what'd you text her up there? So I'm trying to, like, simulate what a real text exchange would be, right? So some of it's pretty direct, like I ask her questions, but some of it's got to be reactionary. It's got to be like, she said something to me, and I'm just coming back with it. So this one was just kind of random. It was just like a bunch of ha-ha-has and a little flexi arm emoji. You say I'm a monster, and yet you're the sociopath having the serial killer conversation of the year over here. Have you even been on a real date yet since your breakup? Well, there's that one. I mean, I did leave it to go meet Destiny, so I guess half... Wait, does Destiny count? No, she does not. All right, so then half. I've been on half a date. But I'm talking to a couple other girls, so I'll probably make something real happen soon. You know what, bud? It might be for the best that you're taking your time. The last couple dates I went on, I, I, I just can't lock in. Like you're not interested in them? No, I mean, I thought I was interested when I went out with them, but that girl I was on a date with the night that you flipped out about Destiny, it actually went pretty well with her despite your nonsense. So we go back to her apartment, I did the New York Times thing, and it all worked out. And I, but it didn't matter, because I found myself getting annoyed with every single thing she said and did. And I realized it was because she wasn't doing or saying anything that Kim would have done or said. And then I even got annoyed at the way she walked. And then there was that girl Ava from the other night, the train wreck, the one that left my place at 3 a.m. I was so stoked about her. On the cab ride home, all I could think about was how much fun it was to be having the kind of wild night with a wild girl like I had when I was in my early 20s. And then we started fooling around, and it just didn't feel like it did with Kim. And that should have been exciting, but it wasn't. So I'm obviously not ready for the shit that I've been exposing myself to. So you're going to pull back from dating then? Most definitely not. I don't practice self-care. And there it is. So what do you got, anything on the horizon? Not right now, but I don't have any self-control when it comes to these apps, so I'm sure I'll be flushing date money down the toilet any day now. Wait, do you see this shit over here now? Village Voice is already done eating. Farmington has no idea how to run a dining room. It's been 30 minutes. You may have noticed that 30 minutes have not elapsed in this podcast. We invite you to interpret Bradley's statement in one of two ways. You may either decide that time flows more quickly in a too-old-to-date universe, or you may decide that Bradley's concept of time is distorted because of his hunger and hangover. The choice is yours. All right, I'm going to go ask the dude at the counter about her. While Michael goes to address Chauncey at the counter about the remaining dishes, Bradley grimaces in the direction of Lawrence and Jerome. His eyes narrow as he watches Jerome produce a black and white cookie from his pocket, a cookie that could only have been purchased at a different establishment. Just as Bradley comes to the conclusion that the only just action is to accost Jerome and Lawrence for their boisterous behavior and unacceptable practice of bringing in food from an outside eatery, Michael returns to the table. Okay, so I talked to the guy. He seems like he's in charge, and uh, he said he's on it. A moment later, Bradley and Michael watch as Chauncey removes a sausage roll and beef pasty from the display case, place them on individual plates, and deliver them to the table. Here you go, guys. What? Wait, 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 wait. So all it took was placing them on a plate and walking them over here? Unfortunately, yes. 
That didn't sound like an apology to me. Oh, look like they got the beef pastry. Today was created by Mike Tanzillo and Brad Garoon. This episode was written by Brad and Mike with production assistance from Toby Singer. Our theme music is Loveless by GoGo Ghost. Stalk us on social media at Tool Today. If you have questions, comments, or the unbearable desire to be an angry troll, email us at infotooltoday.com. Want to share your dating stories? Give us a call at 718-559-1040 and leave us a message with your story. If we get really good ones, we'll play them on the show. For more info, visit tooltodate.com. And while you're there, consider leaving a donation. It will help us make more shows, pay for more dates, and <clears throat> maybe give the narrator a raise. Darkest night, and we will glow in our places anymore. Guess you're right, and I was too. We won't try here anymore. I've been